It is way too early, but where would the Jazz's rookies be selected based on summer league performances? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello all and welcome into another episode of Locked on Jazz. I'm Leif Tulin with you here again for the last episode of this week and I'll be back with you next week and I'm excited and honored to have the opportunity to talk to you guys about my favorite team, the Utah Jazz. I'm a credentialed NBA draft analyst, a attendee of the Combine, attendee of the Summer League, lover of basketball, geeky numbers, and the NBA draft in particular and that's what we're going to talk about today. So stay tuned for a fun, exciting episode as the Jazz may need to know where they, these guys re- rank in a few years, but I'm going to do a way-too-early redraft of this year's draft based off the summer league. Thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Jazz is free and available on all the platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is comment anything below. And today's question is a pretty open-ended one. Where would you draft the Jazz's rookies in a way-too-early redraft? Just based off what you've seen, or if you want to add some logic, give me give me your reasons. I'll try to engage with you on that. Put it on Twitter, but but definitely put it on YouTube below. All right, so here's what we're going to do. In the first segment, I'm going to go through the top picks up until where I think Keontae George has played himself into that discussion of where he could be drafted. In the second segment, I'll talk about where Taylor Hendricks plays his way into the discussion despite no action. And in the third segment, I'll talk about the players near drafted near around Bryce Sensabaugh at the tail end of the first round or even in the second round that ha- whose summer league performances have encouraged me to say confidently that they'll be picked higher in redraft than 28th pick, like I think Sensabaugh will. All right, let's dive right in. So the draft was not very long ago. In fact, when I'm recording this, it was just, just a couple weeks ago. It was June 22nd, and I'm recording this on a Thursday, much like that, and you'll hear this Friday. Victor Wembanyama was number one. Brandon Miller went two. Scoot Henderson, three. Amen Thompson, four. So I'm going to talk about those four, and I think they're at a position as of right now. I'm not saying they're insurmountable, that Keontae George couldn't be better, that Taylor Hendricks couldn't be better than any of those guys. Um, but I just don't think in a redraft that I'm conducting right now, there's a way those guys are touchable. For instance, Victor Wembanyama gets a lot of criticism for a poor first performance, then scores 27 and 12 on 14 shots and alters everything defensively. Um, so he's untouchable. I think Scoot Henderson, I haven't shied away from this, is the better prospect between he and Brandon Miller. He got hurt early in his first game, and he's been held out the rest of summer league with a shoulder injury. I think he's sensational. Like, he just has it. Uh, I don't think Keontae George has the it like uh, Scoot Henderson does. Brandon Miller, I think, is untouchable because he's got the unique versatility of being a 6'8 wing who can score the ball, and now he's he's hit the uh, graduate from summer league. They're going to hold him out. Amen Thompson sprained his ankle badly, and will be held out for the rest of the summer league. So all these guys are being held out, which is a shame. But uh, th- I think it's really a sign of that they're viewed as franchise-altering pieces. And that's why you draft at the top of the draft the way you draft. I mean, I, I told you guys my philosophy. Sometimes I prioritize upside. And that's why I'm optimistic about Hendricks and George and Zensabaugh to some degree. But at the top of the draft, you got to get top-end traits, top-end players. And though these guys have what it takes in that capacity. Like... I think that when Benyama obviously has been regarded as a prodigy, Scoot Henderson's unbelievable. Uh, Brandon Miller 
was one of my favorite players entering this this draft, and he exceeded my expectations. And that, that's hard to do when I put you four to begin with. Amon Thompson was number three to begin with. So that, that's my same top four. I just don't think you have to George can get there. Now here's where the discussion starts. So after those four, uh, Osar Thompson went number five. Anthony Black went six. So it's the same top six. Uh, Osar Thompson's been pretty good. Like the floor has opened up for both Osar Thompson and Anthony Black, and you can see that the guard skills are more on display. They, they have a bigger area to attack. Like Anthony Black, I went on a college basketball podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Highly recommend you listen to Andy Patton and Isaac Shade, and sometimes you'll catch me on there as well. Uh, we talked about some of the Arkansas players and how much of a factory Arkansas might be because all of them are having success, and we'll talk about some of the other ones later. But Anthony Black looks like the NBA is significantly easier for him than, than college because the floor is more open, so he's able to play to his strengths. So that's someone that I just don't know if you can quite catch in terms of Keontae George, but his star power might be higher than Anthony Black. Osar Thompson, I think there's a similar thought because maybe Osar Thompson doesn't get to play on the ball as much with Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, and I think he could be a point guard, but he was drafted to a spot where he's most likely going to play like a small forward, and then that's where you hear the Andre Iguodala comp. Andre Iguodala is an amazing player, both when he was with the 76ers, with the Nuggets, and obviously he's well-regarded for his time with the Warriors. But is he a superstar? I don't know. Is he top six in a redraft in most years? Yeah, almost every year. Like it's so. Yeah, if he, if he can reach that, and I'm not saying he necessarily will, but those are the players that I think are just outside the reach of what Keontae George has played himself into. But I could take arguments about five six, and there's one more player I would say that both both by performance wise, but also just by the way I see the game of basketball, I would rank higher than Keontae George, and that would be Jarris Walker because his size and positional versatility is just a massive factor for him defensively he's one of the best in this class. I think he's going to be one of the better defenders in the NBA from day one. And then there's tons of years for him to go. I think offensively you're seeing he's better with the ball than people knew. And I think, like I said, that he was the guy I thought would be the A-plus draft. So maybe you're going to be like, well, you haven't changed your assessment. But if you look at their statistics of all these players I've mentioned, I mean, obviously Scoot and Amon Thompson got hurt. Uh, they've all performed well. And you can make arguments that, of course, Keontae George is one of the leading scorers in summer league. Like that I'm very aware of, and it's phenomenal. But I think it's easier to project some of these guys having more immediate roles that are conducive with starring roles down the road for prospects. But that's not bad. That that means Keontae George in this is the eighth pick. And like I said, I could take arguments for Osar, Anthony Black, or Jairus Walker. I could see a world where Keontae George ends up one of the top five players in this class. I mean, I'm, I, I know I have on the side here, it's got one through 10. I'm not sure I'm going to go through the picks, but that's where I think the discussion starts for Keontae George. The Jazz had him ranked 10th on their board, and they got him at 16. That's, that's why it looks so good, because you got him at 16, which is so much lower than where he's ranking right now. Uh, I would take George over Bilal Koulibaly, despite the upside of Koulibaly. He's played all right. You can see the flashes, but he hasn't been wowing any stat sheets. He hasn't been stuffing them yet. Uh, I would take George over Hendricks thus far. Obviously, that one's interesting because one was the ninth pick, one was the 16th pick. I would take George over Casey Wallace, who rounded out the top 10 in his performances with the Thunder. He's been very good. I would take George over Derek Lively, who I believe will be very good for the Mavericks, especially for the role that he was likely going to play in the foreseeable future. And I think I would take George over a few other players that I have high expectations for. The one notable outlier here, and I'm going to talk about him in the next segment, is Cam Whitmore. Whitmore has been really good. I think he's got a way to change the game uh, the way because he had such a poor 
perception after the draft falling to 20? Oh, was it because he didn't get along with his coach at Villanova? Was his knee permanently damaged? He's still been really good. And so he's he'd be a guy I'd consider taking the top 10. But I think George has a claim anywhere five through eight. And if you're asking the Jazz, you got nine, 16, and 28. Well, okay, let's just say you pick, you got a guy worth the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth pick. That's a success. And you didn't know it was me, Keontae George, but I'm going to touch on that a little bit in the next segment. Uh, like, like I think there's a case that I made the day after, uh, after the draft that Taylor Hendricks could easily be a top 10 guy. Uh, if he was like by year three, a 17 points and eight guy, which I thought was like the really good outcome. And I thought it was feasible. And even if he was like a 15 and six guy, by that point, he'd be having a case to be a top 10 in a redraft. And that's what you're striving for when you're picking nine. But I, I said, even though his stats appear likely to be statistically insignificant after year one. It, you, you're going to rank these guys after year three. And I think that really helps the Jazz. So uh, if you were to rank the Jazz's picks, and I made this point a while ago for those of you who listen every day, the everydayers shout out to you guys, uh, that I thought the one with the most star power for the Jazz was Keontae George. I think there was a swing skill if he could play point guard. And I think so far we're seeing this committed desire to play point guard. And it's really, really encouraging because you're getting a point guard and you hit the point guard scoring 30 a game in the summer league in the, in the first two games there. And then he obviously got hurt and that changes what you, what you're seeing in the output. But Keontae was the guy I thought had the highest star power just because it's easier to be a star power, a star with the ball in your hands. And the reason that was a swing skill for Keontae is he played the three at Baylor. So who knew if he could play the point guard at the NBA level when he didn't even do it at college? Well, that's why I thought talent wise, he had the most potential, but he was a little riskier. Whereas Taylor, Taylor Hendricks had a higher floor, um, and and it was more projectable because of his role was so plug and play in terms of the role. It's not necessarily for the team that he's on, ready to go, but the role was easily uh, translatable to an NBA role from what he did in college. Whereas Keontae George's would take time to develop, and I think it still will, as I talked about. Like even Jamal Murray, CJ McCollum, Bradley Beal had time to develop and, and garner uh, what they are now. They, they had time to hone their craft. So we see George in his swing skill playing point guard. He looks ahead of track. And at, if you look at his track record, when he's played people his own age, uh, played people of his own caliber, he's always stood out and shined. So this is no surprise. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about this most recent NBA draft, talk about some players that I think could be in the same wavelength. Maybe if you're drafting around where the Jazz did at 16, maybe even sooner, who could be considered ahead of Taylor Hendricks, where Taylor Hendricks could go based on a way, way, way too early redraft. But first, a message from Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. There's just That's the simple way to put it. Yesterday, I went golfing, and my friend asked me, hey, those are some nice shorts. Where'd you get them? I said, Bird Dogs. By the way, I've been doing these advertisements for, for this show, and I mean every word of it. Like, this is sincere. And, I, and then I went home. My mom said, oh, those are those are cute shorts. And, uh, and I was like, oh, well, you know what? I'm getting compliments left and right. I might as well share that when I read these ads. The bird dog shorts fit the exact same way as Lululemon, but they fit. I mean, sorry, they look the exact same as Lululemon, but they fit far better. And I can I can test. I, Lululemon are probably some of my other favorite shorts, but bird dogs have these inside liners that make you feel good. They make you feel good about yourself, and they give you a truly sculpted look through the leg and thigh, and and they give you this this concern, uh, con, like absolute comfort, that where there's no need to be concerned about the liner being uncomfortable. There's no need for it to be too snug. It's not too loose. It fits just right over underwear or not. It's phenomenal. And they fit way better than regular shorts. They're made. Of, they're not made of that stiff, restricting cotton that other shorts are made of. And I could not recommend it more highly. Uh, 
Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MBA or enter promo code locked on MBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MBA for or promo code locked on MBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. That is true. And I'm devastated they're in the wash right now because I don't know what shorts to wear for my basketball game coming up in an hour. Welcome back into Locked on Jazz. Leaf Tulane with you here. So in the first segment, we discussed the top 10, more or less, of how I would redraft the way too soon 2023 NBA draft and explain some logic behind it. So in this segment, I'll find a spot for Taylor Hendricks and explain where that might be based on kind of the way I perceive value in the NBA as you're drafting and what leads to being considered a good pick down the road. Because right now, I mentioned it's way too soon. Obviously, they haven't played an NBA game yet. But it's way too soon until you're like three, four years down the road. A lot of people say five, six, seven years down the road, but I think three and four is when you start to realize what players are good, no matter where they are. And sure, players can get better, but that's when you that's when you start to realize. So with George jumping into the top ten, that means players like Koulibaly, Wallace, and Lively are within reach, following those next couple picks where the Jazz would have picked. Um, Bilal Koulibaly, like I mentioned, isn't stuffing stat sheets. He's not been super impressive in the scoring column but he just looks the part. Like if you watch him closely, he, he looks the part. It looks like he belongs and has this capacity and he's going to go to a team that really will cultivate talent in the wizards where they need to take their time and find their franchise plate pieces. And I think he'll have the chance to prove that he is one of them. Uh, Case and Wallace has played for the thunder. The thunder have a really talented core and he, and he right away stepped in, knocked down a bunch of threes. He's, he's calm, cool, collected. And he was regarded highly as, one of the best point of attack defenders in this class. He's someone I cooled on as the, at the end of the process, but still ended up with him around 11 on my board. And he, I think he's going to end up playing steadily into that point. Like Casey Wallace is very steady. Uh, Bilal Koulibaly has got this athleticism that puts his ceiling really high. And then there's Derek Lively who went 12th to the Mavericks. And you, you think about him and you're like, well, one, he's got some potential. He's got a very defined role, and that's what really matters. Is He, he knows his role. He's going to play with Luka Doncic and be a rim runner and rim protector, pick and roll threat. And if he steps out in spaces a little bit, like a lot of people liked from him, uh, my colleague with Lockdown NBA Big Word, Rafael Barlow, witnessed and started reporting about that possibility first. Um, yes, that, that really helps him, but I think without even doing that, without even learning a, a post game, he still has such a role and an expertise that it, it makes him more valuable, and especially early on when you're doing early returns for a player. So that makes him higher. So all of those guys are justifiable to be above Hendricks, I think, at this point, considering Hendricks hasn't played. Uh, then there's one more. That's Cam Whitmore, who I had as number five on my board. We know he had some knee injuries. We knew uh, we know now that there was some reporting that he and his coach, Kyle Neptune at Villanova, didn't get along. And you know, there's that that plummeted his draft stock. He went number 20. But by all accounts, he was going to be a top five to ten pick, if not top five. And he's attacking the rim. He's shooting all right. He's he's not really passing. But, he, I mean, summer league, there's not a lot of that. But so people are sick, like saying, like, oh, look, he doesn't pass. That's why. Well, I, I don't know if that's a good enough reason because he's scoring 17 a, a game and he's got the potential to be worth a lot. It's really about if his health holds up with that was the scare, if there's attitude. He's too talented to not go at this point. So he, I would take Taylor Hen- uh, over Taylor Hendricks. I would take Cam Whitmore in a redraft if we're talking about strictly what I've seen so far. But the, even that, that's 13 players. That puts Taylor Hendricks in the lottery right now. Like, I think Hendricks, without playing, has the most upside here, and he's projectable, and he's 
what the NBA covets right now. He's long, he's athletic, he protects the rim, he spaces the floor, he shoots the ball well, he's able to do a lot of things and doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. So that that's the appeal. Like he, he just fits the modern NBA. I also likened him to Jabari Smith Jr., um, but said Jabari both before the draft and coming and obviously coming into this year seemed like the better prospect and, and despite a down rookie year. And I, when I was explaining that, I noticed on some YouTube comments and, and some tweets I received that people, the jazz fans were kind of giving me pushback about that. But, uh, and I'm not saying this because Jabari has been phenomenal in summer league, but I think if you think about it, a lot of people thought he was going to be the number one pick overall coming out of Auburn. Like if you watched his film at Auburn alongside Walker Kessler, he was phenomenal. Like he, he was absolutely sensational. He was my favorite player in college basketball to watch that year. And he was shooting ridiculously well. He was creating for himself and doing things. But the reason that I hesitated to put him as high, and I was low considered low on Jabari Smith for having him fourth uh, when most people had him one or two, was because I just didn't see him as a primary creator. And I still don't at the NBA. But that's, that's not what you want necessarily in Hendricks. And that's why I think you, that you, Jabari was a better prospect, but the archetype is so coveted and so valuable. So I, I want to reiterate that that was a compliment, not an insult. Uh, for the record, though, Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, has been sensational in this summer league, and he's going to get more of an opportunity than Hendricks likely will, even though he wasn't given enough of an opportunity in Houston. But in the summer league, he's leading the entire summer league in scoring. He's scoring 36 points per game, seven rebounds and four assists in two summer league games, including a game winner. That's, and he's a good defender. Like, that's really, really good. If, if Taylor Hendricks can do that at any point, that's awesome. That is awesome. So who else figures to be in this range for this discussion, this discussion if we're going to continue the thought? Is there anyone I would take over Hendricks in this case? Probably not. The The shooters that went 11, 13, and 14, that's Grady. Uh, that's Jet Howard at 11, Grady Dick at 13, and Jordan Hawkins at 14. I had all of them low on my board. I had all of them after 20. And so maybe I've got some... You know, I'm not quite ready to change my gears, but I think all of them are overrated because they're specialists and they need a team that that's built around them to fit to their strengths as opposed to fitting most teams. And so far, none of them has have really, really ex- exceeded my expectations. As I'm recording, by the way, Cam Whitmore just broken a record for steals in the summer league. So uh, that, that speaks to that athleticism that I talked about that was in the excellent percentile. Uh, so I would, like I said, I would take him higher than Hendricks in this case, but none of those shooters I would take higher than Hendricks. Uh, none of Jet Howard, Grady Dick, or, jo- uh, or Jordan Hawkins, Grady Dick's shooting poorly, but scoring 14 a game. Uh, no one else has really stood out. Who else was picked around this, this range? Maybe Jaime Hawkins. I thought he played well, uh, in the first summer league, you know, that's impressive, but it's just, it's not, it's not moving me. So, I mean, I think you're getting, by that logic, you're getting two lottery picks. You're probably getting the, let's just say, conservatively, 8th and 14th pick. That's higher than where the Jazz took. Uh, and I think Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks definitely have a chance to move up their stock as it plays out because their roles make sense to be more coveted than some of the other players and their situations. So, that so far, so good for the Jazz. Coming up next, I'll talk about what players that were picked 20 or lower have shown they deserve to be picked higher and give a pitch for why Sensible, despite not playing, may go higher in a redraft. But first, a message from FanDuel. Take your swing at batting and take your take a swing at batting against the MLB pitchers, but betting on the MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you land $200 in your bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus when you win, 
when you win, we're going to give you positive vibes. You can get paid instantly. And that is true. I have used FanDuel uh, when I went to March Madness and I was in Colorado. It was quite fun. And I got I got my rewards uh, instantly from FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And I also want to tell you about Murdoch Hyundai. And that's something that's really important right now as I was just driving in a Tucson the other day. Uh, Murdoch's have been in Utah over 80 years. Hyundai is the best car for your money. Safety features, bells, whistles, and all. And I can just, uh, personally vouch for that. And this week, I, that was my first time inside the Tucson. And it, it, it is luxurious. It's effective. It's sleek. It's everything that it's it's modeled to be. The SUV lineup features the Kona, the aforementioned Tucson, the Santa Fe, the Palisade. And I recently saw on the streets the Ionic 5 electric. And that was named the Motor Trend SUV of the year by Motor Trend. And then the six is even better. Haven't quite seen that one yet personally. And I was talking with one of my best friends from college, knows more about cars than anyone in the world. And he was telling me about all these cars. And I was saying, hey, I do reads for these guys. And I I just was riding in the Tucson. He was like, well, what would you think? I need to know. And he was like, yeah, like Motor Trend got that right. The Ionic 6 is amazing. It's electric. It looks like a Porsche. And it just won World Car of the Year. And for those of you interested in getting them, as I recommend you do, there are locations in Linden, Murray, and Logan. So check out Murdoch Hyundai at your nearest convenience. Welcome back to Locked On Jazz. Leaf Tulin with you here. And we're going to finish redrafting and, and talk about who the Jazz's third pick was. That was Bryce Sensabaugh. Bryce Sensabaugh has yet to play to, due to injury, but was widely regarded to be a steal. The Jazz regarded him as being the 18th best prospect on their board. And I think most people would say that 28 was far too far far too low for sensible to be picked based on the skill set that he has um let's talk about some other players that have played that i think would be in this so for just nba fans nick smith jr is an obvious one he put up a monster performance a few nights ago leonard miller i talked about the other day so every day is now why that one was important he went to the timberwolves at 33 and i had him as a lottery grade coming in and the timberwolves got him at 33 so that might be a thorn in the jazz's side in terms of when the jazz take some of their picks uh, Jordan Walsh has been sensational for the Celtics. He also fell to the second round. It's another guy from Arkansas, just like Nick Smith Jr., along with Anthony Black, I think who are thriving with more space in the NBA, showing their more patented and skilled offensive skill set than was allowed to be shown in a, in a court that was just so jam-packed. It was it was alarming. Uh, another one would be Olivier Maxon's Prosper for the Mavericks, went 24th. Uh, he was a junior off-ball guy, and he's just playing his 3-and-D role to a tee. And then I would say Chris Murray is someone that's steady and he looked good early in, in, in some, some play. So now what can Sensabaugh uh, do to ingratiate himself without summerly to say he was a good pick? It's, it's too early to tell you that, but well, it's easy. It's an easy response for you though. He shoots the lights out and he scores like it's second nature. So if he rehabs and is healthy enough to be an average NBA defender, I think if 28, you, you're typically looking for some sort of skill set to set you apart to stick in the NBA. Well, he was one of the best scorers in the country as a freshman. As 19 years old, he had a scoring package, and he was the arguably the best shooter in this draft. Like, he was a 45% catch-and-shoot guy. That was better than Jordan Hawkins. That was better than Grady Dick. That was better than Jet Howard. And he was an on-ball scorer as the primary option for a team in Power 5 basketball. Like, that, that's rare to get at 28. I know defensively there's some questions. There's questions about his health. 
but I'm not going to fact hold health against him. I know he's missed these games and there's questions about how his knee is going to do because he missed time at the end of the year for Ohio state, but you can't factor in health when doing a redraft when, when before the guys played, that's not fair. Maybe down the road it is, but not yet. Uh, players picked around where he was rarely have a trait that sticks out. And he's got two of them. One, he's a shooter, but also he scores. Like I, I mentioned this before TJ Warren was his comp for me. And TJ Warren scored 25 a game, but he did that later at NC State. And when the ball and the pace was really favored to the way that he liked to play, they'd go to TJ Warren, then he'd score. Well, Sensible was a better shooter and scored more as a freshman. And he that their team wasn't good, which which I actually think makes the fact that he was so efficient so impressive. He also plays like bully ball basketball, so did TJ Warren, but in, a, in an era where threes are more important. The fact that he was able to score in multiple ways is something that you rarely see at 28, considering the fact that he was arguably and statistically probably the best shooter in this draft. Uh, I pulled up his strengths for my scouting report just to read to you guys to refresh your memory for those of you who weren't listening uh, when we were telling you what you got in Bryce Sensabaugh. Well, here's what you're getting and why I think he's still a very good 28th pick, even without having seen him play at the NBA level yet. Efficient volume score as a freshman. His shooting splits were 48, 41, and 83. That's 48% from the field, 41 from three, and 83 from the line. Really good shooter. Strong wing with size to play the two or the three. 45% catch and shoot from three, which is the best of anyone in the first round. Scores in the post with alarming efficiency. It's maybe not the way that he'll score in the NBA, but it's impressive. He scores off the bounce and off the catch. Uh, he draws contact, and as a result, goes to the free throw line. That's the knack of being a good scorer. 46% on pull-up jump shots, solid ball handler, fills lanes and transition. I, I think it's hard to imagine that there's going to be 27 players picked ahead of him as long as he's healthy. Because I think health will dictate how good he can be defensively. You just can't teach shooting like that. You can't teach scoring like that. And at 28, though, I will, I will tell you, and I'm not going to say this as a slight to sensible because he was well above the 28 on my board as well. The guy that I wanted the jazz to take was Leonard Miller. And I think Leonard Miller has a very good chance of being someone that's a thorn in the jazz's side in terms of helping the Timberwolves enormously. But in some, the jazz likely emerge with guys ahead of their respective picks. I mentioned that Keontae George, I could see an argument as high as five, I'd say five through eight. So if we split that difference, you know, we'll, we'll say six, or we could even say, say, say eight, that's still ahead of nine where the jazz pick. I think Hendricks on the if I'm lowballing where he ends up, uh, I'd say around 14 seems likely. I think he easily could be around 11, um, and maybe even higher as we see him play. Like I mentioned with him, it's going to be more important to evaluate a couple years down the road, considering he'll have statistically insignificant volume at the at the start because he's playing behind an all-star guy in Lowry Markin and a a really really good power forward in John Collins. And then sensible, like George was picked 16th, obviously, but I mentioned he's in my rankings right now, he's five through eight. Like there's an argument he could be a star in a really good class. And and that could be amazing for the Utah Jazz, especially the position of need where he's transitioning to point guard. And then at 28, I think that there's, it's, it's unlikely. It's just improbable that someone like sensible doesn't pan out to the level of that pick, if not better. So right now the jazz are getting plus plus volume plus uh, production projected, I suppose, but in Keontae George's case, just proven uh, from all three picks. And they, they look like winners of this draft by this, this evaluation. It's, it's an interesting thought. And I, I'm eager to see what you guys think about this. Let me know on Twitter. Let me know on the comments below and YouTube. 
And thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. With your second checkout, Locked on NBA Big Board, they'll probably be doing some more redrafts similar to this as they're at Summer League. That's Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen. Great guys, do great work. Recommend you support them, and I'll be back with them as well. And I'm looking forward to being back with you guys next week. And so if you guys have any thoughts, comments, anything you want me to talk about next week, let me know on YouTube or on Twitter, and I'll do my best to do that. And as always, let's go Jazz.